This is the Smarts and Stripes Podcast. We cover every bump, every spot, and chat with all the talent around the world of wrestling. Here's your host, Bill Matz, former WWE referee Kevin Keenan, and Eric Golden. Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of Smarts and Stripes Radio. I am Bill Matz, and I am, as always, joined by... Eric Turtle Golden and on the phone with us away from the studio, but here in our hearts, former WWE official, our personal insider, Kevin Keenan. How are you today, Kevin? Always in your hearts, guys. What's up? How's it going? Uh, Kevin, now Turtle and I got into uh, got into WrestleMania a little bit because we did the Raw reaction show and it was the Raw after Mania, so obviously you have to go back. But now that All we right. have the full crew together, I want to get into WrestleMania. Just first and foremost, grade the show for me. What did you think of the show beginning to end? I mean, it's seven and a half hours of wrestling, so how can you not love that, right? <laughs> seven and a half hours of wrestling is a little too much for me uh, these days. Look, I think these guys did, top to bottom, one of the best WrestleManias in, in recent memory. There was a lot, of, uh, a lot of story building, a lot of story ending, a lot of characters built, a lot of new, uh, lot of new things that we're going to see. Uh, for me, highlight of the show, everything, every, every storyline that we thought was going to go one way went the way we thought it did. Seth Rollins winning the title, along with Kofi Kingston winning the title, Becky Lynch winning the title, and then... The big surprise for me out of that, which we're going to get into here in a little bit, was the rise of the Iconics. I think we made, uh, two, I think we made two new superstars here, two new characters. WrestleMania, for me, if I have to grade it, I'm going to have to give it a B plus, A-. minus. I think that's a pretty solid grade. Uh, I think we kind of Absolutely. agreed. You know, it's long. It's way too long. But when you go just match for match, look at the card. I even enjoyed the pre-show. I thought uh, two, one of the two Rumbles was good. I thought both matches were good. Okay. Your boy, Tony Nese, uh, coming away with the title was cool. I, I, I enjoyed the pre-show pretty thoroughly, considering it's the damn pre-show. Um, yeah, look, out, outside, of, outside of the main stories, like these, those, those three stories right there, the three guys who grew up in that town watching wrestling, who grew up loving wrestling. Tony Nese, who was sitting in the stands the last time WrestleMania was at MetLife. Now he's in the ring winning the Cruiserweight title. Hawkinson Ryder, who started in that area, Long Island Boys, won the titles in their hometown. Like, just so many good feel-good stories and personal things that happened to these guys. I, I really don't have a complaint. Yeah, it's hard to, other than the length, it's really hard to find a hole oh, in I this show. I about the length. Oh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, just, of course, you know. Is it seven hours of roller coaster ride that I needed to get off three times? But in the end, I was happy that I rode that ride. That, I was. I definitely was. Uh, you know, I didn't pay attention to every match closely, but I thought there were enough really good matches that I was pretty much into it. The big story, though, I, I, we talked about this. If the Kofi story starts a month earlier, that has a strong case to go on last, right? Absolutely. It does not. Why not? No, no it doesn't have a strong story to go on last because the story was always, the strongest storyline, regardless of where it started, was always, Ronda Rousey, A, because of who she is. When you have Ronda Rousey compiled with, the, compiled with a couple different facts. One, that she's in the hottest storyline in the company. Two, that they really were making a strong push to put the women on last. And three, the WWE was going to create history no matter what by putting them on last. I don't think Kofi ever had a shot of going on last. Oh, a should, shot? No. Should he have? Uh, yeah, maybe we could talk about that. But in retrospect, they made the right call. 
I think they did as well. It was that the Kofi thing really started to take off in that weird middle of the Becky Ronda Charlotte story where it was starting to lose that steam. And I thought if this starts, you know, organically, because it only begins because of a Mustafa Ali injury, if it begins a month earlier and people are that much into it, it, it has a chance to be the biggest story. But no, heading in, obviously, the big WWE is going to push. We're making history. It's the women headlining tonight. Obviously, you're not overcoming that, too. Kevin, you you have a personal history with Kofi Kingston. Uh, this is, uh, to it's me... It's fascinating. It's really fascinating. And this was one of the... I mean, one of the great all-time WrestleMania moments. Seeing him, especially on SmackDown, get to come out uh, and lead off the show with the title and get to give the, you know, thank my wife and everything speech. It was so... One of just those real moments in this crazy world of pro wrestling. Tell me yeah. a little about your history with Kofi Kingston. So I met Kofi back in 2006. He was assigned to Deep South Wrestling. I was assigned to Ohio Valley Wrestling. And Kofi and Harry Smith, who was uh, Harry, came down from the main roster up to uh, to Deep South just for a little while as a bit of a transition period. And they were trying out something new, where they were sending guys from Deep South up to Ohio Valley Wrestling. So Harry Smith and Kofi Kingston came up to OVW for like a three week trial period. And that was the first time I met Kofi. Uh, we really hit it off. Uh, we became buddies right then and there. Uh, funny story: WrestleMania 23 weekend. Uh, I didn't even know he was coming. Uh, I was I was there as a guest of who was I there with? Who, regardless, of, I forget who I was there with. But I wasn't scheduled to be there. I was just going there as a guest, but an employee of the company. Um, and here he comes walking in. We find out that neither of us have seats to the Hall of Fame. And we go to talent relations and ask them, you know, where should we sit? And they're like, oh yeah, find seats anywhere. <laughs> so me, me and him, me, me and him found seats right off to the to the left. Uh, left of the stage. This was the year Dusty Rhodes went into the Hall of Fame. My trainers, the Wild Samoans, Waller and Ross. Oh, that's and a damn we good sitting, place. We, we sat in the second. We sat in the second row, uh, having better seats than you know, pretty much name a top star in the company. And Kofi and I had better seats than him. You guys didn't rush the stage though and try to go after Dusty, right? No, no, <laughs> we, cer- I, we certainly didn't. <laughs> we certainly didn't do that. But uh, yeah, it, it, you know. Kofi, I'm very, very happy uh, that this worked out the way it did because five years ago, this isn't a thing. Oh, not at all. Six months ago, this isn't a thing. Well, you brought it up. That's not necessarily true. I'm curious your opinion on this, Kevin. We brought this up on the Raw Recap Show. You mentioned this all happened because Mustafa Ali or just Ali. Just Ali now. That's right. That's right. They got hurt. Yeah, they dropped his first name. Do you think Ali would have at least been in the world title picture? If he was not hurt, no, I don't. I, I don't because he, he's very at least very good in the ring. He's very fun to watch. Um, I don't believe that he had enough. He has he's had enough time in front of the WWE universe to connect with them like Kofi had. Right. There's a re- there's a reason this worked out, and the reason this worked out is because of the connection that the New Day has with the WWE universe. You know, they have a connection to the 20-year-old, the 30-year-old, but they also have the connection to the little kids that are buying their shirts, too. It, was really, it really was just the perfect storm. It was, and it's just, yeah, the way this happened, I keep using the word the word organically because it's not something you can, I mean, you can try to capture something like this, but it's not something you can write. It's just people like Kofi, the New Day is such a great act, and he gets to step in and people go, oh, this is something new that I actually want to see. Kofi Kingston in the main event, and it all works out. Absolutely. I want to move, I, I do want to move on, though, move along here, Kevin. Uh, Shane and Miz. 
I really uh, enjoyed this. Great. It was a fantastic match. They 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 left it all out there, man. What a what a performance by both of them. That I just wow. You're gonna you're gonna remember that as a WrestleMania match for years to come, and not even because of anything they did. Not just because Shane took the big bump like he usually does, or the circumstances surrounding it. It was just everything they did from beginning to end all had meaning. It all meant something. It all came together at the right time, man. They really hats off to the two of them. They they really just left it all out there. Really, really happy with that match. Yeah, it's one of those matches where you don't need a title or anything on the line because the personal issue really does feel personal. They were a tag team, you know, the turn, all of it. I, yeah, I just thought it worked. It was not, It's not so much about what they did, but how they did it, exactly like you said. And I typically don't love family members, non-wrestling family members, getting really involved. A slap, a, a single punch here now and then, I get. But they brought this 60-plus-year-old yeah. old man into the ring, and it just worked. I typically hate that shit. I could call. I could listen to Shane call uh, Mrs. Dad Baked Potato Head every day all day. It was day. fantastic. Now, uh, this is something, uh, I guess the big story, it's a shame that it's the big story, because the big story should be, hey, we got all the things we wanted. We got Seth. We got Kofi. We got Becky. You know, the three big stories, baby face finishes and everything. But the big story coming out is... Uh, yeah, they botched the finish. Now a lot of things have been a lot of things have been made of this, Kevin. And turns out the referee for the match, Rob Zapata, was fined for counting before Ronda's shoulders were on the mat. Just kind of walk me through how all this works. I'd like to think I trained Rod a little bit better than that. <laughs> um, look, uh, Rod's in a no-win situation. He really is because. If he counted the shoulders down three, the chairman would have turned around and said to him, uh, you, know, you know, if he waited to put the shoulders down, you know, for the shoulders to roll down, the, the chairman would have turned around to him and said, God damn, you messed up the flow. Well, wh- why'd you wait? But he didn't do that. So, you know, he, count- he counted the finish. And look, think of, think, and, and he did the right, in my opinion, I don't know what I would have done. You know, did he do the right thing? Possibly, because think of the circumstances surrounding it. History-making match. Triple threat, uh, whatever they were calling it, three-way dance, however they were doing it for the, you know, it wasn't even a unification, but the, you know, winner-take-all. Winner take all, yeah, yeah winner-take-all. First-ever women's main event of WrestleMania. And, like, what do you do in that situation? And you have a split second literally a split second to make a decision. And neither one of those is going to be the right decision. The lesser of two evils for me, I would, and you know, it's something I always did. And this, this just goes with experience. You know, Rod's been around probably, what are we in 2019? So he's been around 10 years now. So you would think you would hope that he has this type of experience, but something that I always did was if you go back and watch some of my stuff, I would take both of my hands and slide them under the shoulders yeah. as like a small thing right. to check to make sure they were down. You know, And in doing it, that, it kind of, not to cut you off there, Kevin, but in doing that, because I'm just thinking of how awkward it would be for the finish of this match for him to sit there and wait for the shoulders. If you do that small thing to check, it kind of takes away from the brokenness, it, like the uneven it, flow of it. Right, and it, and, but it also, at the same time, it does that. It works twofold. It does that, but it also gives them some legitimacy. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, for me, you can never really go wrong 
with making sure the shoulders are down. Because at that point, if something goes wrong and they lift their shoulder up or whatever, that's on them. You know, yeah, yeah. Vince, Vince always, always, always had the back of his referees. If, you know, hmm. if something went wrong, Vince wants you to, he wants you to, obviously knowing we know the finish and it's predetermined and it's entertainment and all that stuff. But he wants you to officiate the match as if it was a shoot. That's right. what I he wanted wa- to. That's he what wants, I wanted. To, go ahead, Kev. He wants you know. Um, this goes back to our ECW conversation where, uh, where he told Van Dam, "My referees have to have you know have to have uh, have to be legitimate. They have to call the match as they see it, and and that's true. You know, I can remember. I you know, if he got fined, yeah, maybe." But he's lucky he didn't catch Vince on a bad day because in, in, in that in that instance, given the situation, he's lucky he didn't get fired. That's I was gonna say. It sounds like uh, Vince. Someone handed Vince a Snickers today and he'd eaten, so he didn't fire anybody. Uh, Kevin, that's the next thing I wanted to get into because to me this is a little bit the way matches. I know you know matches are always predetermined, but. It's a little bit to me how scripted matches are and kind of maybe the greenness of Ronda plays into this as well. Like I remember years back, this might have been 99, it's a uh, it's a title match between Angle and The Rock. And uh, who's who's the ref that got fired? I'm blanking on. Uh, like the Earl Hebner. Scene, Earl Hebner. Earl Hebner, he makes the mistake. He counts to three. D- didn't count to three. And The Rock is like, yo, what the hell? And then oh, that's, the, yeah, that's yeah right. they have the wherewithal, because it's Kurt Angle and The Rock, to just kind of ad-lib something right. and then go to the finish and they fix it. Like, but, maybe Ronda doesn't have that kind of experience. Maybe it's just a different business now. Like, does that where, play in that's there? Where Rod, that's where Rod Zapata needs to pick up that experience. Okay. Because even though he's not technically who they came to see, he's still working with them. Yeah, he's a part of the right. match. There's four people what in the I ring. Will, what I would always do, and Paul London loved me for this, is I would, I would always say somebody's going to the top rope. You know, say, we'll use Paul as the example. Say somebody hit London with something, bang, and now they're going to go out to the, the top, you know, to the top rope. Or say he's going to, you know, they're going to hit him with something, and he's going to sell up into something off the top rope. I would always, I would act like I'm checking on Paul. I would go in and see, you know, first, ask, legitimately ask me, all right, you doing all right? Yeah, I'm good. Okay, okay. Well, he's out of the ring now. He's climbing on the, um, on the first turnbuckle. You can start coming up here. Come on up a little bit. He's on the second turnbuckle. All right. Uh, third turnbuckle. He's set now. Turn. I would help him okay. with his cell on the way up so that we're all working together and in sync. I wanted to, uh, Interesting. All, That's... Rod, all Rod needed to do, and again, this speaks to experience, all Rod needed to do, knowing how crucial knowing how crucial this is, is somehow slip to Ronda on the way to this finish, make sure your shoulders are down. That's all he had to say. And again, hmm. I'm not saying he's at fault. I'm not saying he's wrong. There's two sides to this story. I'm telling you how I would have done it. and I would have made sure, I would have 1,000% made sure her shoulders were down. And we wouldn't be in this situation. Just in terms of the way matches are laid out, because this is interesting to me. Uh, obviously, you know the finish. Is it? Are you say you're refereeing a match? Are uh-huh. you like in the room while they're laying it out with the agent? Oh, yeah. Or is it okay? Yeah, it, or it's it's not. You're heading to the ring and someone pulls you aside and goes, "Hey, pal, it's a super kick one two three. Like it's not. Well, you're you're you there. Got, you got to understand how WrestleMania week works. 
WrestleMania week works way differently than any other any other week of the calendar year. No, they go right after their, right after their go home television. They go to whatever town WrestleMania is in, and then there's an entire ballroom locked down with like two or three different rings, and you have scheduled times to lay out your match with your agent and your referee, and you have scheduled times throughout that week leading all the way up to uh, to WrestleMania. So it's not you're not going into WrestleMania blind. You're not going into the biggest show of the year, the granddaddy of them all, not knowing what you're doing, walking into that stadium. You have, you have 100%. Um, you know what you're doing. You have the idea. You already know the finish. Now, throughout the course of the day, some things might get switched around. It's the WWE. It's WrestleMania. You know, we just, re- you know, we just found out the other day that Brock was supposed to go on semi-main at 4 o'clock. They put him on first. You know, things change. Um, but by and large, you're walking into, into whatever venue WrestleMania is in, and it's, it's different than this in, in uh, any other part of the calendar year. You walk in having a pretty good idea of how this is going to go and what you're going to do. Kev, were you ever fined for a mistake you made in the ring? <laughs> no, I was actually bonus. Really? <laughs> yeah, I was actually bonus. I changed the women's title one night in Europe uh, from Candice Michelle to Molina. And because she didn't kick out. And I got a $500 bonus. Oh, you called it like a shoot. That's what he wants. I counted three. That's good stuff. And, uh, and we, could, we couldn't go to TV, obviously, with, uh, with her as the women's champion. So we had to switch it back the next night. But yeah, I've gotten bonus. I've never gotten fined. But well, it, got, it, it was getting ridiculous to a point. Right after I got let go, I remember talking to, uh, I believe it was Chad Patton. And Chad was telling me, like, it got to a point where like, Vince didn't even want the referees to know the finishes. Like, I remember that reading cool. that at yeah. a certain point, that like, in a, that, that time that frame. Was, that could be a little nerve-wracking for me, but, you know, I, it got, luckily I wasn't there for that. Well, you said she didn't kick out, so my question, I guess, would be, how, like, what could you do? If you walk in knowing that I'm supposed to beat Bill doing whatever move I do, and Bill just, and I don't kick out when Bill pins me for a false finish, how much of that is on me and Bill? How much of that is on you? It's all on you. You know, you know what's coming. You got to kick out. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. I that's just. Kick I, I can't right, kick out. Right. You can't kick out for, out for you. Right. 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 So all I'm doing is count three, and I tell you what, the heat's not going to come on me when we get to the back. Right. The heat's going on you. So even and if you coming, know it's wrong, it's direct, you still do one, two, three, no matter what. Doesn't matter. Now I know I, you know, I'm good enough and smart enough to know if I can, you know, toot my own horn for a second. Uh, how to. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? How to pattern false finishes? Is that the word I'm looking for? Okay. How to have a flow? How to flow false finishes? You know how to my cadence of my count. You know, I I know how to I know how to build a sequence. I know how to you know how to I don't know how to how to explain it really, but how how to build a false finish sequence to go from the least from the least important one all the way to the top. And I know when to get close, and I know when you know. It doesn't have to be as close. You know what I mean. Oh, I get so you. So if if you don't kick if you don't kick out, it ha- it has it really has nothing to do with me. Hmm. I want to move on to some of these headlines in a minute, but just uh, any more takeaways from WrestleMania, Kevin? Like I think we hit on some of the big stuff. Uh, Seth winning the title absolutely just had to freaking happen. I like how they're leaking. It was supposed to go on semi-main. That to me is one of the. That's a red flag to me. Like just more Brock stuff, more Brock heat. Like oh yeah, he didn't want to. Then the Heyman promo alluded to it. Like he didn't want to stick around if he wasn't going on last, so we put him on first. Like you hinted at oh, UFC, yeah, yeah, yeah. ultimate meeting. 
that's, or whatever. That's Heyman. But uh, any other real takeaways from Mania? Mm, not so much for me. Again, like we talked about a little a little earlier, uh, the rise of the Iconics I think is huge. I think they built two new stars right there. Um, you know, to me, before that, uh, they were just two girls thrown together, not really matching gear, not really doing anything. Then they came out on fire at WrestleMania. The matching gear is an absolute hit. Peyton Royce with her lighter hair. I mean, these girls just look like stars now. Billy Kay's really good on the mic. Peyton Royce is really good at the small things she does. And then not that wrestling matters in the WWE, but when the bell rings, like these girls can go. I really hope they put the rocket ship to these girls for, for a decent bit, uh, decent bit of time. Yeah, and they're a good duo, and to me, they're a team. Like yep. Sasha and Becky are, or Sasha and uh, and Bailey are pals. But like, I don't, I see them as singles competitors, just trying to give the belt some legitimacy. And right. like the Iconics, okay, this is now a tag division. And, and hopefully they're the face of it for quite a bit. I, I would like to see that, because I really enjoy them as characters heading into this. I really, I'd only seen so much of their ring work, and then the match happens. I was like, oh, all right, this was a pleasant surprise. I can't remember the last time I found a team so very annoying, <laughs> but so very interesting yeah, and yeah. entertaining at the same time. No, they're very good heels. All right, uh, I want to get to some headlines now, uh, and we'll start with this uh, departure on the creative team. Robert Evans allegedly fired slash I'm not fired, I quit, whatever happened, after producing Bret Hart's Hall of Fame speech, and uh, Bret did a no-no. You're not supposed to mention Vince McMahon. DX made a you know a joke out of it later, but you're not supposed to mention uh, Vince McMahon. Bret did, and the writer got fired for it. I mean, come on, like, what's the writer going to tell Bret Hart? You're not going to, don't don't mention Vince? Bret Hart's going to go out there and do whatever he wants. So, you know, even if you could tell Bret Hart until you're blue in the face, hey, don't mention Vince. Well, the the Bret Hart Vince McMahon history is well documented, as we know. So why wouldn't Bret Hart mention Vince McMahon? Like, that's just absolutely ridiculous. To me, that screams, but that writer's days may have been numbered already. That's kind of... It had to have been that yeah. way. And, uh, although, like, you listen to the Pritchard podcast long enough, if Vince was hungry, he could have just flo- flown off the handle. But that's uh, this kind of just gets me into something I've been wanting to ask you, ask you for a little bit, Kevin. And it's about, you know, the banned words and banned terms list. I've noticed... A little bit of a re- relaxing of it lately. Uh, the Becky two belt stuff, and I think Ronda said belt one time. And just I'm hearing wrestler and wrestling a tiny bit more. Just every now and then they they throw that in there. Well, just think of the DX speed. Yeah, they, the, they alluded to AEW. Yeah, without saying AEW, I can't remember any time. Well, and the real yeah. wars of them mentioning WCW or TNA. I and think all that. we have a long history of knowing that Sean and Hunter get to do whatever they oh, want. Absolutely. Uh, but what happens? Like we were talking about referees getting fined for something like uh, something like counting before the shoulders are down, and you actually got a bonus for doing your job. What happens when someone violates the uh, the banned list? Yeah. Look, I'm not really sure, and uh, I haven't. Again, I haven't been there in quite a while, and I don't know what the ban list constitutes anymore. Um, luckily, I never had to worry about it because I wasn't cutting promos. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can, I can imagine, uh, you know, I can imagine a bit of a slap on the wrist or a, uh, you know, hey, let's not let's not do that again type thing, or just an absolute extreme like you're taking off house shows and off TV. Like it, it really, 
there's real. It really depends on the week and the day there. Okay. Like there is, there is, there is no definitive. This is what happens when. Okay. It's just it, a lot of the stuff is very spur of the moment and knee jerk reaction type things. WWE, just like the NFL. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's. I, I just. I always wonder because I was so impressed, honestly, and this was all the way back in 02. I I just assumed there had to be some sort of fine involved because I didn't I don't remember hearing one announcer slip up when they got the f out and went to WWE like I just remember hearing oh like and it seemed odd at the time because like I'm still calling it WWF and um, like to none of, I still call yeah it. none of them slipped up to that point and then to get to you know at the point we're at now with the band list and we know WWF in 15 years yeah no not anymore it's just awkward now to say it but and you know. Know, now they win because the World Wildlife Foundation is like evil apparently. <laughs> but uh, this there's another shakeup on the creative side. Road Dog steps down as the SmackDown lead writer, and there's you know stories coming out. He's frustrated with Vince. Like yeah, okay, that's just going to come out. Whatever. He's staying yeah, on. That's with- a weird. That's a weird one for me too. Yeah, he's staying on with the company for now, it seems. He's going to be in the utility role wherever they need him. I just wanted to know, from your experience, like how much frustration with creative is there among the boys? Like, Is it something you would all talk about when you're on the road together or in the locker room or at Waffle House at 3 a.m.? Or is it more, oh, of, a leave, or is it more of a leave work at work kind of situation? No, it's never a leave work at work situation. It's always... You know, if you're if you're a WWE superstar, you're constantly thinking about what's next or where are we headed or what am I doing or so. I mean, you're always you know you're always pitching to writers in some form or fashion. Um, I would imagine I can't I can't imagine it's changed drastically, but um, from what I can remember, uh, you were assigned to a writer. You know, Bill, you're a WWE superstar. Turtle, you're a WWE superstar. I'm a WWE superstar. We're all assigned to a different writer for our ideas and our and our storylines and the like. Is it just as simple as I pitch an idea to, let's say you're my writer, right? I come to you, mm-hmm. I want to see okay. Turtle as the whatever character, you agree, mm-hmm. and then we go to Vince and go, hey, or you go to Vince or whatever and go, hey, you're, here's yeah, my yeah. idea, so, blah, I mean, blah, blah. There's, there's obviously creative meetings throughout the week, uh, you know, back in the tower and on the road and on TV and stuff like that. Obviously, the chairman has the final say, uh, and you would go up to, you know, through the lead writer and stuff like that. Um, there's various levels to that type of thing. Uh, so it, it, but it start, it starts with the, it starts with the writer you're assigned to. At least that's how it was when I was still there. I don't know. I don't, I'm not really sure the lay of the land anymore. That's their, it could be that, they're it framing could be that way. What I do, what I, what I do know is, you know, there are, there is a creative staff that stays in Stanford, and there's a creative staff that stays on the road, uh, that goes on the road. How they split those two up, uh, I'm not really sure. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's, always, there's always two sets of creative staff working. Yeah, they're framing this as Road Dog was co-lead of SmackDown. Uh, he's the one who goes on the road, and the other guy's the one who stays in uh, stays in Stamford. And Road Dog is just kind of frustrated with the constant rewrites, constant rejections of because everything flows through Vince McMahon. Right, and the the idea of someone being a lead writer at this point is just maybe he's the one who takes the pitch from the team and goes to Vince, but the lead writer is and always will be Vince McMahon. But, but why is Road Dog acting like this is something new? 
I, I don't think I, when I, I read I, this stuff, it's I not direct quotes. Like, I don't understand though. Like, first off, you're frustrated. You know, this again. This is we're not saying this is uh, exactly how it went down. Strictly of what I uh, saw on Bleacher Report, but that his frustrations with Vince. Well, dude. That guy's the CEO. He owns the company. So how frustrated with him can you get? I mean, you know that's a I mean? fair he's, point. I guess if you hire going, someone going, to do a job, do, right? If, if you hire someone to do a job and say, "Hey, you're my creative team," and then you stifle their creativity, I can see that being frustrating. Now yeah, the checks so cash. Also, the checks cash, whether or not you know he takes your ideas or not. But I can so see yeah. it being, from an artistic standpoint, frustrating. Okay, but. You have to understand that Vince McMahon is in, is in the top ten most insane people in this world. <laughs> oh, so, absolutely! You you know you know what you're getting into. And look, let's call a spade a spade here. Road Dog is very lucky to be in the position that he's in after the you know after the constant and years of burials that he did on the McMahon family and the WWE and all this other stuff. The Voodoo he's Kid very, Mafia. <laughs> he's very lucky to have a reprieve, and even I'm sure he'll tell you that. So I, I, I just don't understand. And again, I'm not I'm not in uh, fantasy land anymore. I'm not in the insane <laughs> asylum. So I don't know how uh, how bad it actually is. Maybe it really is that bad. It very well could be. I just don't know. You know you know the deal going in. You know the world that you're signing up for. You know the company you work for. You know who you work for. I just don't understand how frustrated you could possibly be with the chairman, knowing how this goes. I mean, we all know how we all know how this works. Yeah, so no, know what we're getting into. No, he, that's as you and I may disagree. Like overall, Vince, like I think he could just give bigger guarantees and give guys health insurance, and it's kind of shitty not to. But like with this kind of stuff, you know what the job is going in. Like this is Vince McMahon is the overlord of the industry, and if you want to work for him, he's probably going to change a lot of your ideas. That's the way it goes. I want to get to this Pat McAfee story real fast. It was so odd. It's so damn because I was watching Pat. McAfee, uh, he was a punter in the NFL, for those of you listening uh-huh. who might not know. Uh, and he he's done different like pre-show things, and he was on an NXT pre-show, I think, before. I guess his thing is wearing shorts. So, no. Yeah, he's so, officially part of the company now. He's a, uh, I guess, a pre-show panelist, a commentator. You know, I'm not really sure exactly what his defined role is, but he's a full-time part of the company. So, he almost left WrestleMania because Michael Cole right. yelled at him for wearing those ridiculous tuxedo shorts. So, I'm not sure his thing is wearing shorts. Maybe that is his new kind of character build, but evidently from Reed, again, he wears shorts story, a lot. It's that, and evidently he tried to model his WrestleMania look after, I guess, LeBron James wore like a tuxedo short combo thing, and he thought it was cool. I don't know. It, it just was the dumbest thing for both of them to yell at each other. I, Michael Cole. Hey, Pat, welcome to the WWE, man. Like, no. it, it's WrestleMania. Like, why would you think that's okay? I, I thought he looked absolutely ridiculous. And Michael Cole, and Michael Cole's been with the company for 100 years at this point. Like, and he puts up with Vince McMahon yelling in his ear every week for all this time. He must have a good sense of Vince to be like, you look ridiculous. But then they well, took no, it to Ma- Vince, Michael, and Ma- he loved Michael it. Cole, Michael Cole was Pat McAfee's boss. Yeah. And th- but so, apparently they took it to Vince, and Vince said, "I've seen it before. I know style." And I love just, it, and loved it, and went with it. And Michael Cole was like, "Oh!" But I just found it hilarious that a former professional football player almost walked out of work because someone talked loudly in his direction. Look, Michael Cole was nowhere near in the wrong here. Um, no, Michael he looked Cole silly. Under- Michael Cole understands that the commentators and Pat McAfee and whoever else. Uh, are not the draw. 
WrestleMania is the draw. The WWE superstars are the draw. That's who they came to see. Nobody cares what Pat McAfee's wearing, and Michael Cole understands that. For Pat McAfee's first WrestleMania, he should probably he probably should have focused a little bit more on being prepared and calling WrestleMania and doing the pre-show or whatever it is that he was doing, rather than trying to get headlines and get people to talk about him. Just my opinion. And the thing that honestly Watch bothered it. the thing that honestly bothered me about this, uh, he did an interview, was on a podcast or something afterwards, and he said talking about Michael Cole's tone with him, this wasn't a rib or a gimmick. You could tell there was actual panic. Kevin, how do insiders like you feel about people like Pat McAfee or whoever using the industry terms? Because I got to tell you, and I'm just a fan, I was inf- I was offended to read that sentence in the way he used it. <laughs> read that to me again. This, was, this wasn't like a rib or a gimmick. You could tell there was actual panic. Look, it's all so out there. Anymore. I know, I know. It, 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 at this point, it is what it is. You know, 10 years ago, I would have told you, who's... Who's Pat McAfee to be used in these type of words in our industry? He hasn't been around long enough and yada, yada, yada. That's and, I, you know, JBL would have done the same and yeah, Randy yeah. Orton would have done the same. And it doesn't, at this point, it's so out there and, you know, it is, it, it is what it is. That's, I was at a, I was backstage at a CZW show once and Devin Moore, like, uh, it was, yeah, <laughs> I had a good time, but like Devin Moore got like for a second hot at me because he overheard me saying something to someone else. But then I explained it to him and we were cool. He was actually a pretty good dude. But like, I just was like, oh, he's I really started s- in the business with Devin Moore. Yeah. He was like, I, I was just like, oh, he's really selling that leg. And, but he only heard that part. Not that I then realized he was actually hurt. He's like, I ain't selling shit. I hurt my leg out. There. I was like, oh no, that's yeah. And then I explained to him like the conversation <laughs> I was having. He's like, oh, cool. And then like we had drinks afterwards, but it was fun. That but sounds, like, that sounds just like him. Yeah. Yeah. He, and he was a good dude. Uh, but yeah, like, and just having that experience, I was like, really Pat McAfee, it wasn't a gimmick. Are you sure? Like, <laughs> all right. Uh, to wrap up here with the big, Big AEW news today. They're going to be on Turner Media, apparently. They're going to be on TNT. They're closing some sort of deal soon. Nothing is signed yet, uh, but there's there's reports that AEW will be on TNT and also, of course, Bleacher Report Live, one of their properties, and they have a deal. Uh, uh, correct. And that's, that's just reports. Um, look, this isn't to disparage AEW. I, I hope they do well. It's well documented. Uh, my relationships with some of the guys in AEW. I, and I, I really hope it succeeds because it's another place to work. Um, obviously, TNT or TBS, whatever it's going to be, would be a great spot for them to land. Um, I kind of heard about this a few months ago. It was kind of on the DL, uh, just talking with some other people. I kind of knew that something of this, uh, something of the like was on its way. I just don't know, like, unless TNT and TBS and advertisers and, you know, all the people that aren't AEW, unless they're going on the word of the Khan family or maybe the history of Dusty Rhodes that he has with those two networks or because Cody's involved, you know, or, you, you know, the argument can be made, you know, we were talking earlier, they need summer content or whatever it may be, you know, because as bad as I might need summer content, let's be honest, I don't want to be sold a bad bag of goods. They, and, and everybody, advertisers, TNT, TBS, again, we're not, I'm not really sure which one it's going to be. They're literally going in blind, as is AEW, because there's not a product there to sell. There's AEW, not a... has, AEW hasn't even seen their product yet. So how, how, how is AEW or the network going to convince a Pepsi or a Miller Lite or a Colgate or someone like that to come in and advertise on their television 
without seeing some sort of product. I just think it's insane. The product to me at this point, and you're right, like I wouldn't, I don't know if I, if I ran a, a billion dollar media corporation, I'd be handing out television deals to something I didn't even know existed and honestly doesn't exist yet. But the product to me is the built in audience. You sell it on, hey, Look at the tickets we've sold and look at the merch sales of guys who aren't on WWE television and have made a living on the backs of this built-in audience. To me, that's the product. It's, they, we I, know people I, will watch. It might be 200,000 people and that's it. But for a Tuesday night in the middle of August, that's probably a really good audience for TNT. And that's, fi- yeah. and that's fine for people like you and me, but for corporate America... I don't, I don't, I don't believe that they're going to look at that business model and go, "What? Ah, you know what? Uh, the Young Bucks sold a hundred grand in T-shirts, and I don't really know who they are. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, we'll sign up with you. We'll, you know, give us the summer package, and we're good to go." I just don't see how I don't see it. I don't see it working that way. I mean, I'm with Kevin on that. It, for the fifteen thousand tickets they sold for double or nothing or triple or nothing or whatever the hell bullshit it's called now, you can't base a TV deal off of that. You can't base a TV deal off of the $100,000 they sold in shirts. So maybe it is based off of Dusty Rhodes or Cody Rhodes or whatever, or just the con's word, but I need to see product also, before I invest. I, I think you do. The word of the con family carries a lot of weight. Let's not, let's, let's not have that be lost on anybody. These guys are owners of the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, uh, whatever, whatever those, soccer club. Yeah, one of those money pit soccer teams. These guys, I mean, these guys have legitimate business dealings. Let's not discredit that. But there's still not a product on the forefront. Like, are you going to base it off all in? If you want to base it off all in, fine. That's one show. If you want to base it off double or nothing, that's fine. It's only two shows. You know, but there's not an actual AEW product to, put, to present to a prospective client that says, here is what you are buying into. Here is what you are getting when you buy advertising with us. There's nothing there. And until they have that, and until they get that, I'm not really sure how TNT, TBS, or you know whatever any other network can take it around to any advertiser and say, "Here, buy this." They barely have a it's, roster. They have ten dudes ludicrous. on their roster right now. Yeah, it's to me, it's all about the. It's about finding that niche audience. It's just like, I guarantee the people who run the CW have never read an Arrow comic book, but they sure. know that Marvel is cool, so, hey, people will watch this thing, and it's kind of the same idea to me. I think this. there's a much better chance of those people reading an Arrow comic book than any advertiser knowing, at least right now, at this current point in time, what an AEW is and trusting that they're going to get... Uh, a profit on their investment. I think they don't know what AEW is, but I think they probably know that the niche audience exists. Like if if goddamn TNA can keep itself alive somehow on channels that I, like I have to Google to find out where they are. The once every three months, I'm like, hey, let me see what's on Impact. I maybe if it's on TNT, it'll just blow up. I'm excited just because there's going to be wrestling on a major network, and I think that's cool. One thing yeah, they need I, to do, I, I for sure, is not make it Tuesday, not make it Monday. Pick your own day, find your own little slice of the pie, and don't worry about yet going up against the machine. Yeah, that should come later. Worried, I don't think they're worried about going up against the machine. I don't think they're going to be. I don't think they want to be competition yet. Um, I think they're smart enough to know that they need to do their own thing. So I, I don't think worrying about the machine has anything to do with it. I could see them slotting in to Tuesdays when SmackDown goes to Fox on Fridays. Sure. 
That's That'll that's work. just a thought in my head. That's the first thing Works that popped in when I was thinking about. All right, guys, I think that's it for today. That is all the time we have for you on Smarks and Stripes. Thank you so much for joining us. We get to hang up on Kevin now. Yeah, that's Kevin Turtle. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. We're going to keep this going. It's been a good time. Uh, we've gotten a lot of positive reviews, uh, so people are enjoying it. Tell your friends. Listen to Smarks and Stripes. And I did just hang up on Kevin. Oh, awesome. That's great. It was fun. That's... I always wanted to do that, too. Oh, that's good. Just that's hang good up stuff. on him. All right, man. Take it easy. Have Later. a great week, everybody. 